Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme, and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today I'm joined by team member Aliyah Kamalova to discuss confidence. Research shows that 79% of women regularly lack confidence at work, and that age 40 is when we can expect our confidence levels to match up with men's. If that's not depressing already, confidence is also one of the biggest factors in a person's overall career satisfaction. So what the heck is going on here and what can you do about it? Let's dive into the importance of confidence and five warning signs you might be less self-assured than you hoped. And in case you're not already on our email list, we did want to let you know that when you enroll in our best-selling online course called The Confidence Crunch, this week only, you're getting limited time access to our confidence cards for free. They're valued at $45 and it's a deck of 52 confidence cards that will help you build confidence all year round. And it's included totally for free when you enroll in The Confidence Crunch by December 5th, 2021. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Let's start by understanding what exactly confidence is. According to Richard Petty, a psychology professor, it's the stuff that turns thoughts into actions. For example, when you have an idea in a meeting, do you speak up or wait to type up your ideas and then email them to your boss after? Confidence is what turns your ideas into something you share in the meeting rather than waiting. Put another way, confidence is a belief in one's ability to succeed, a belief that stimulates action. In turn, taking action bolsters one's belief in one's ability to succeed. So confidence accumulates through hard work, through success, and even through failure. Okay, so now that we know what confidence is, why does it matter, and especially at work? 
Good question. Well, (laughs) that's because success, it turns out, correlates just as closely with confidence as it does with competence, meaning that knowing how to do the job well is just as important as being self-assured in your ability to do the job. And here's where it kind of all goes south for us women. So women are less confident in their ability to succeed even when they don't lack competence. A stat you've heard that would be an example of this is that women are more likely to apply for a job when they meet 100% of the qualifications versus men who will apply when they've only met about 60%. Men being more confident than women is a much bigger question. And I really highly recommend reading The Confidence Code. I've recommended it on this podcast many times, but it's fantastic. And for this podcast, we'll narrow it down to biology, genetics, upbringing, and society, which all seem to be conspiring against women's confidence. So yes, we said genetics, and that means that some people are literally born with more confidence. But what I found most interesting is what happens then when you're less confident, which we're learning women tend to be less confident than men. And the result of less confidence is inaction. When women hesitate to act, they hold themselves back. But there is good news. I know you all are wondering where that is. So the good news is, is that research found that when women do act, even if it's because they're forced to, such as being asked directly in the meeting what their ideas are, they perform just as well as men. So to summarize this mini lesson on what exactly is happening with women and confidence, it's this. We start life at a natural confidence disadvantage than men, but we can overcome this because confidence is like a muscle and through specific acts, we can strengthen it. Strengthening your confidence muscles requires you to know where your confidence gaps are and then create new habits, behaviors, et cetera, that encourage you to act and stop overthinking so much. Up next, we'll share five warning signs that you lack confidence and share some ideas for what you can do to help build your confidence muscle. I want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, HelloFresh. The holidays can be hectic, but HelloFresh helps keep things simple with recipes and ingredients that cut out grocery shopping and limit meal prep time so you can spend more of the festive season with friends and family. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. They offer 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need with customizable orders every week. You can add extra proteins and sides, change up the serving size when you have guests, or just double up on your favorite recipes so your box works harder for you. I tried HelloFresh's veggie meal plan and it was so easy, convenient, and most importantly, delicious. I got the satisfaction of cooking a nice meal at home without the hassle of a stressful grocery trip. The recipes were so easy to follow and quick to make with steps and pictures to guide me along the way, especially because I am not a natural cook, so I really needed it and it was super simple. And something I personally love about HelloFresh is that they are committed to sustainability. HelloFresh is the first carbon neutral meal kit, offsetting 100% of carbon emissions. Plus, by skipping the grocery stores, I reduce my food waste by at least 25%. If you're interested in having tasty food delivered to your home, we have a special offer for Career Contessa listeners. Go to hellofresh.com slash Contessa14 and use that code Contessa14. 
14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. That's hellofresh.com slash Contessa, C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A 14 and use the code Contessa 14 for up to 14 free meals and three gifts. I know you're going to love it. All right, now let's get back to the show. Warning sign number one is being indecisive, even in the midst of simple decisions. An example of this might be trying to decide what to have for dinner. Indecision usually signals a lack of self-confidence. It may seem that making up your mind feels fraught with failure or unforeseen consequences. You may worry that committing to one choice or another bears too much responsibility. So you find yourself hesitating and procrastinating or constantly deferring to others to avoid making decisions. And this can be from the really small stuff, like what do I want for dinner, to the really big things, like should I take this job? So what can you do? Ask yourself, what exactly is making the decision-making so hard? Why are you filled with so much anxiety? When you take a step back, you can remind yourself that you're letting this simple decision become bigger than it needs to because what you're really nervous about is something else. Better to spend your energy on that thing instead. And if you can name these two things, I find that that's a really helpful way to help you overcome these feelings of indecisiveness. Mm -hmm. I I was just thinking like, even when it's the smallest decisions, it usually reflects that you care at some level for the outcome. So I think it's like a good sign. But at the same time, it's so exhausting to be in this like indecision situation or whatever moment I was thinking like the other day we had like a group game night and I was, you could choose like one of three actions on this board game. And I was so difficult for me to choose because it was like, yeah, but is this going to give me an advantage or whatever? And then I had to really step back and be like, okay, the worst case, this is a game. Like there is no consequences (laughs) to this. But like if you extrapolate that same feeling where you just have to like zoom out for a second and look at like, what, what are you, what is the result of this either way? It makes it kind of easier where you're like, oh, it's not going to be a huge consequence. It'll just be an equal decision potentially. Yeah. And I think when you can name it, like this is just a game versus, Mm -hmm. okay, this might be a bigger decision. To your point, you get nervous and indecisive because you care. Also, what I have found as I've gone throughout my career not everything needs like 100%. So not everything has to be this make or break decision for you. And when you treat everything with that much importance, it kind of reminds me of like the story of like the boy who cried wolf. It's like, well, if it's always this thing, then what happens when it's like truly a a really big decision that needs to be made? You know, you've kind of, I don't know, exhausted yourself through this thought process for everything else that now uh, maybe you're not able to see clearly what you want to do when it is something that really matters. So, mm-hmm. you know, just try to name it, try to kind of take a step back and just be okay with not everything needs 110% of like your energy to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And often for some reason, it's looked at as like incompetence I mean, maybe you fully know how to do something, but because you're relying on other people or asking a bunch of opinions, it seems like you don't know how to do either or of the options, which is usually not true at all. But that Mm -hmm. actually relates to our second warning Mm -hmm. sign. Warning sign two, seeking validation in everyday speech and outside sources. For example, take these two similar statements made by someone who's seeking validation versus someone who isn't. So the first statement is, Hey, Mark, I was thinking about maybe emailing the client a project outline. Do you think that's a good idea so we can complete the project on time? Versus the second statement, which is, 
Hey, Mark, I'm going to send the client a project outline so we stay within budget and timeline this time. Would you like me to CC you on this email as well? So the first example shows this need for validation. It's rooted in insecurity versus the second example that not only shows confidence, but it also isn't seeking approval or validation from this person. So what you can do, you can't build self-confidence always remaining in your comfort zone. One of the best places to start is by becoming more aware of your approval-seeking behavior and language. This means reviewing your email communication before you hit send, paying attention to the times when you wanted approval but didn't get it and what happened then, and test out breaking out of your comfort zone. And all of these little changes will eventually add up. Mm-hmm. And I know the the tip about reviewing your emails before you hit them. I, I'm sure we've all seen the ex- example of like women will use a lot of explanation points. And so they always say, go back and reread it, take out like 20% of the stuff. I also think that um, if you're already doing that, just add one more step and just be like, does this come across like I'm seeking validation or or is this me saying... I know I'm competent. I know this is what we should do. And unless you feel strongly enough to kind of give me an idea backward or, you know, back, send it like that and and see what happens. I always find it interesting when people will experiment with this in like very safe ways. Mm -hmm. And just that alone can build their confidence too. Yeah. I think also one way to know if you are doing this or if the language you're using is seeking validation is to notice how many times, like if you're working on a project does it tend to have like 15 steps only to result in the same initial plan that you had? Then maybe you don't need like that back and forth or to open that door to the back and forth. So that's like a way to know, like, I do know what I'm doing. I, for some reason, yeah. just fielding all these um, opinions and thoughts only to result in the same mm-hmm. result. Yeah. So I think that's a Yeah, and there is such way. a such a thing as getting too many opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can get overwhelmed with so everyone's opinion that you don't even know what yours is anymore and that's also something I think you want to be careful to not end up having because like for example in entrepreneurship I often tell the story of like where I started with what I wanted with my business. I basically spent a year like talking to other people and getting their ideas. And honestly, all it did was waste time. I ended up coming back to where I originally was and I knew what I wanted to do. Not to say that talking to people is ever a bad idea. It's just the weight that you put into that conversation. It, it can really slow down the confidence or, or be a detour to, to ultimately mm-hmm. where you're trying to go anyways. Yeah. I mean, so. it also like opens it up to other people's indecisions. Like if they have, if yes. they're indecisive <laughs> themselves, then you guys just go back and forth with like a, should we do yeah. this? Maybe we should do something like this without ever making a decision. Yeah, exactly. Find that really decisive friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe, maybe keep one of those in your life. Um, okay. Warning sign number three is always apologizing, even when there's nothing to apologize for. So some examples of what you can do instead of always saying sorry. So let's say you're uncomfortable delegating, you know, I don't know, grunt work. You could try this instead. You could say, we're in a crunch and all these files need to be cataloged by the end of the day. Do you have what you need to get started? Right? So these are things to think about instead of apologizing when you don't have anything to actually apologize for, take out the word sorry. Take out, so normally I might say, oh, sorry to do this, but are you able to take on this extra work? Take that out. And that's the example. Another example, if you're constantly apologizing for what you can't control, try this. Quote, I know I've had to reschedule this meeting several times. Thank you for your understanding. I've actually tried this tip where instead of saying sorry, I will 
put in gratitude, like, thank you for your understanding. Thanks so much. You know, appreciate your patience on this. And it, it, it really does change the whole persona that you, you're creating, especially in your written communication. So one other example, if someone mistreats you and, and you start to get emotional, you could try this quote, Hey, that hurts or that isn't helpful. You could even say, you know, I need a few minutes to collect myself and then leave the room and then come back. Um, I think oftentimes people will apologize for getting emotional. And so these are just some ideas on how you can try to curb that kind of go-to reaction of apologize, even when there isn't anything necessarily to apologize for. Now, if you've truly done something that requires an apology, we're not saying don't ever apologize ever again. Like if you hurt you know, hurt someone or, uh, you know, accidentally (laughs) open the door in their face, say sorry, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I will say it's probably much more challenging to implement this in a remote setting, especially if maybe you're new to a team where you're not sure how people, how their written communication is like, because immediately like everyone seems cold on like written communication, unless you see like exclamation points and all of this, like, yeah, whatever. But I think like if you find the right, context like it's just all about the context as well like yes. um knowing who you're who you're communicating with and like um making sure that you're grateful about other work and feedback and stuff like that um so it doesn't just seem like this isn't good that's it <laughs> yeah i i think too if your gut is telling you like hey this might not come across as yeah. being warm and friendly or the way you know again going back to context pick up the phone and call them, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, if Zoom is your guys's go-to, like find a way to to do some stuff in person. I think a lot of times, and I agree with you, I think in a remote work setting, it can be harder. But a lot of times when we were in an office, we were encouraged to get up and walk over to their desk um, or chit chat with them and build this kind of rapport with them uh, around the quote unquote water cooler or in the kitchen. Try to find other ways to do that then so that you're having more of a natural relationship building experience. Or if you can't go to their desk anymore, just pick up the phone and call them or even text them like, you know, time for a quick chat and just add enough context that that doesn't scare the person, you know, because it's, it's, yeah, it can be scary to get intimidating. A, a text like, <laughs> Hey, let's talk, you know? <laughs> so, um, I know I don't like that. <laughs> Speaking of strengthening your confidence muscles, let's talk about the confidence crunch. Our best selling online course can help in just 21 days. We'll teach you how to develop new habits and put them into action. And right now, when you enroll in the Confidence Crunch, you'll also get a deck of confidence cards valued at $45 included for free. Imagine if you stopped overthinking your success and could be confident enough to act right then and there. Ditch imposter syndrome and enroll in the Confidence Crunch before Sunday, December 5th, 2021, and you'll get three step-by-step video tutorial lessons to identify different types of confidence, create your own steps to achieve confidence and tools to help your confidence stick, a 30 plus page workbook full of interactive worksheets, templates, and checklists to help you create an actionable plan at your own pace. You'll also get our signature confidence calendar, a 21 day confidence plan that will provide you with actionable ways to improve your confidence. The best part, you can use this plan over and over again. And our limited time bonus, the confidence cards, a deck of 52 power moves delivered digitally that will help you to keep building confidence all year. They're included in your purchase for free, but only when you enroll by Sunday, December 5th, 2021. Link in our show notes to enroll or go to careercontessa.com and click on education to enroll in the confidence crunch. Okay, now let's get back to the show. 
Our next warning sign is warning sign number four, being too afraid to contribute your opinion in conversation. Holding back your ideas and opinions at work can send the message that you're not competent, which we know is probably not the case, but that appearance can lead you to not getting promoted, not getting bigger assignments, etc. So ask yourself, do you hold back on sharing your ideas until you're able to write out a perfectly written email? When you're too afraid of not having the perfect idea or response to an idea, it gets in your way of acting at all. Perfectionism and your desire to have things perfect is getting in the way of good enough, which matters a lot too. Yeah, I I know there's someone in my life who specifically that this is a big struggle. They don't like being asked on the spot about things because they really like to marinate on an idea for a long time, have it written, like a perfect response written up. And like sometimes it can take her hours to write her email response. And so you know, this kind of goes back to the like good enough job, like, you know, good enough is still really, really good. And, and, and perfectionism, you guys have heard perfect is the enemy of good. Like it's perfectionism and lack of confidence really are like buddies and they're, they're just trying to ruin your day. I feel like. Mm -hmm. I also think like, this is another great time to filter, like to include being more vulnerable in the mix because I think like I personally love when someone uh, maybe I'm like I sent an email waiting for a response but it's like they have to review a bunch of documents or something. I really appreciate when someone is just like hey I received this you know it's a week out and they're like I received this I'm just want to let you know that I'm reading this and whatever like I was out of office. Yeah I love that. It's so nice and I was like that probably took two seconds and they're not like I don't know just lying about how that they reviewed it already, but they're just being really honest. And I think that's kind of also a great tool when you're like, when you find that it's challenging to immediately respond to an idea, if you have the luxury of like responding to someone like that, I think that's a great way to ease into it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think you just have to again, come up with like your filter system for when, are there going to be times in the meeting or, you know, in the Zoom call that you get asked for something on the spot and you're really not prepared? Be honest and say, I'm not prepared to answer that right now, but let me give it some thought. And then maybe you don't send a perfectly written out paragraph form. Maybe you send yeah. bullet points and say, hey, if you want to chat more about this, let me know. We can do it over a phone or video call or or if you're in person, in person, you know, because um, I agree with you. I love the like confirming that I got mm-hmm. this. And I, I'm... I wish more people would do that. We've, yeah. We have um, a client we work with and she is fantastic about doing that. And it's just, it really does kind of take the anxiety out of like, where do things stand? And that mm-hmm. is always really nice. Okay, so our final warning sign, this is warning sign number five, is hearing your inner critic at a much higher volume than your inner coach. So we talked about this actually at length in a previous episode with Dr. Kristen Neff. She actually wrote a book called Self-Compassion, which I would highly recommend also reading that along with The Confidence Code. And Dr. Neff's research shows that the best way to increase your confidence is by learning how to be kinder to yourself versus beating yourself up and hoping that motivates you to do better next time. So So to help silence your inner critic, work on training it to become an inner coach. For example, I know that meeting was really intimidating and you were asked on the spot to give ideas, but what a moment of personal and professional growth that you spoke up, right? Versus um, you saying to yourself, 
oh my gosh, you were called upon in the meeting. You're such an idiot. You didn't have the right answer. I can't believe you said that. So again, it's that that view of self-compassion uh, and saying to yourself like, wow, that was really tough, but you spoke up. And, and maybe, you, you know, again, taking on that um, position of inner coach, you say, you know, next time let's bring a pen and paper so when we get ideas, we can jot them down to help us remember later. That might help with the nerves too. So th- these are really just like, ways of reframing that inner critic as your piece of motivation to an inner coach, which again, research has proven works better. So if you truly are dedicated to thinking about how can I become more confident, you better start learning about (laughs) self-compassion. It's going to be a much better tool. Definitely. I also think a way to help this is anytime you do have kind of a win or a positive anything in your life is to just be really mindful of that moment because like, I don't know, I think sometimes, especially at work, we just move through things so quickly yes. that like, obviously we'll remember like really embarrassing moments or mistakes and we don't need to like be mindful of that. It's just like stuck with us forever for whatever reason. But those moments of just like progress, I don't know, any accomplishments. And that way you can look back in times where you feel like you've messed up and be like, oh, but look, it's all progress like in the mm-hmm. end. So I think that really helps too. Yeah. There, we had a, a podcast episode. It was about it was about how to cultivate a growth mindset, and this is a real thing. It's like negative bias or something, where your brain literally is able mm-hmm. to remember what the negative things much better than the positive things. I mean, this probably happens to most of us every annual review season, where it's like, okay, what did I actually accomplish this year? What did I do? And so, um, I think you're making a really good point, Aaliyah, because oftentimes we're able to remember (laughs) with perfect clarity what went Mm -hmm. wrong, but not what went well. And whether you call it a smile file or you just keep a work journal and you write these things down, it it creates that forward momentum for you to keep going out there. And I think even more important, if we know that confidence is built on taking action, what's going to motivate you to keep taking action? And so that's, that's a really good reminder about like, you know, find a way to remind yourself of this too. Mm-hmm. Just positive reinforcement, like you're like training a dog, training yourself yeah. to just look at the yeah. bright side. Well, again, like, so I've been reading Dr. Neff's self-compassion book and it truly is that. It, it's mm-hmm. like we, we, we work, re- humans work really well on, self, uh, on self-compassion or like positive reinforcement. Being kind to yourself <laughs> works really well. I would highly encourage all of us to give it a shot. <laughs> and it's <laughs> fun. It's shot. really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, well, if you can relate to any of these warning signs, remember that you're not alone because research shows that 79% of women regularly report a lack of confidence at work and that age 40 is when we expect our confidence levels to match up with men's. But you don't have to be in the 79% or wait till 40 or even just hope that your confidence can increase. You can take action today. If you're ready to get happier, more confident and ditch imposter syndrome, then please consider enrolling in our online course, The Confidence Crunch. It's a step-by-step video course that will teach you how to strengthen your confidence muscles in just 21 days. That's right. You can ring in 2022 stronger, more resilient, 
and with new confidence-building habits. Plus, when you enroll between now and December 5th, you'll also get a limited-time bonus, the Confidence Cards, a deck of 52 power moves to build long-lasting confidence all year. The Confidence Cards are valued at $45, but they're included for free when you enroll in the Confidence Crunch online course by Sunday, December 5th at midnight Pacific Standard Time. The links to all of this are in the show notes. We hold this sale once a year, and last year it was our most popular sale by, I don't even, like a landslide. I don't even know how, what the numbers were, Leah, but it was, mm-hmm. she can attest that it was the most popular and people love these confidence cards and we get notes all the time about it. So we wanted to bring it back um, for this week only. Confidence Crunch plus confidence cards and they make an amazing gift. So if you're like, what should I get someone in my life? You can always buy this and then um, schedule to send it to them um, for the holidays as a digital mm-hmm. gift and you don't have to worry about supply chains. Yeah. <laughs> so that's always nice. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, you know what we're going to ask, which is to please leave us a review and rate our show. They really help us so, so much. And again, the link to the Confidence Crunch is in the show notes.